Hey, welcome everybody. I am Bill. I'm one of the pastors here too, and uh, it is really good to see all of you guys here. Hey, we had an awesome week with Ascent Church this week. We, uh, we were in the paper. Did you guys see the article in the paper that we actually were in the paper and it was a good thing? Um, you guys, we, then we had a big one. We had a meeting with the planning commission um, with the city of Louisville. That was a big deal for us because uh, here's, for any of you guys that are new, we love this building. We love it. We, 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 man, it, this has been so great to be able to start Ascent here, but we know we can't be here long term. We've been here three and a half years because God continues to give us this space that we had on month to month three and a half years ago, and we still have it now. Um, but we know that long term, we got to get out of here. And so we are looking at a piece of land on 96th and Dillon that we would be building on. But there's a huge process that takes place before you can even start putting a shovel into the ground. And the first of those is meeting with the planning commission with the city to, to make sure that they can zone this thing properly for us to be able to put a building there. Okay, so we got last Thursday night. We got together and we presented in front of the in front of the planning commission um, what what a sense all about. And I tell you what, it was so fun to be able to talk to these guys about how much we love the city, how much we want to bless the city, how much we love it when 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 the schools use our space, the, the partnerships we have with Chief Hayes and lots of different things going on in the city. We love it that we could present that to them and not even it's not even fabricated. It's just like this is what we do. This is who we are. And you guys, it was so cool. What they do at the planning commission is they're all sitting around this big table and they each have to put their vote in and say why. And each one of them, yes, this is a great idea. Yes, I like it. Yes, I'm with it. Yes, so long as you don't build an ugly warehouse. Yes, you know. And it went across the board were yeses. We got a unanimous vote, which was... You guys, that doesn't happen very often around here. And we got a unanimous vote from the planning commission. So here's what's next. After that is, is we, we go to the city council. In another month or so, we'll go to the city council, prepare it to the, um, pre- present it to those guys. And if they say yes to it, that's when we start really moving forward in the purchase of the property and then in, in actually at some point putting a shovel into the ground. So we're fired up. Jim and I were in tears again. We always get in tears when we see the Lord moving. And so we saw God moving and we're in tears at the planning commission thing on Thursday night. Night. It was a great night. Now, last week I wasn't here. Last Sunday I was out with my with my son on a trip, and so so uh, so Jim was preaching. I went, I came back and I saw on Facebook, you know, Jim preaching. I I, I I looked at this picture, and I'm going, what in the world is he preaching about? <laughs> I mean. He's got a snowman there, and, and, and he's, he's got that bald head, and he's, I mean, I, it looks like he's talking, was this his hell talk? Is that what he's doing right now? And fire and brimstone, and this is what's going to happen type thing. So I apologize if he got too mean to you guys last week. I, I thought to myself, here's what I want to do. I want you guys back there in the back, you tech guys, to take one shot of me so that I can be as tough as him. I mean, no, no wonder the planning commission was a unanimous yes. He was presenting to them. He'd have beat them up if they didn't say yes. So here you go. Ready? We're talking about some fun stuff today. Okay. Okay. Do you get that shot? I want that on Facebook. I want it to look just like that. I don't have the snowman picture right there, but... Hey, uh, this week, that was la- last week was the end of our, rela- we were talking about relationships, and now this week we are moving into what Chris was talking about. We are in Trailhead now. This is something we've been preparing for for six months. 
Chris has been working his tail off. You guys, they wrote a book and with a lot of, of help from the people in here. And we, and we have over 200 people already. I think it's up to 250 people that are signed up to want to do Trailhead. And so we're excited about that. We're excited about people sharing life with each other and learning more about Jesus along the way. But I want to recognize that some of you didn't sign up, and that's okay. Some of you are looking at it going, you know what, I'm already in a small group. Or this is not a season of life right now that I can do this. Or you're new and you're thinking, I don't want to share life with people I don't know yet. Whatever the case may be that you might choose not to sign up right now, that's okay. We're going to be doing this lots of times through the year. And, and we want to make sure you know that on Sundays, every Sunday for the next six weeks, we're still going to preach it, and we're going to still preach on Trailhead. That's going to be our series. Those people that are signing up going to unpack that more, and they're going to share a little life together as they unpack what we're talking about. But really, all of us, this is for anybody, even if, you, even if you're not signed up with our Trailhead uh, groups that we're, that we're putting together, okay? We got a lot. God's got, I think that God's got a lot in store for this church over these next six weeks, and, and we're fired up about it. So let's pray, and we'll get into the first one. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are here. We thank, that you, thank you that you speak to us. You speak to us from your word. God, we thank you that you do want us to live life together, and we got opportunities to do that. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today and help us to put the things that are just so pressing on our hearts right now, just put them right next to us and help us to grab hold of what you have in store for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Back in 1999, I first came to Colorado in 99, and, I, and that's when I started doing the college ministry on the CU campus, the Annex. And, and so, so I, it was, you know, I get here, and the first thing that I learned is the difference between outdoors in Seattle and outdoors for people in Boulder. See, I, I grew up playing baseball, basketball, and football, and I played a, played a ton of golf, and that was my outdoor stuff. But here in Colorado, man, you guys are weird. The outdoor stuff is just, is totally different. You know, you got, you got your bouldering. I got, I had to learn about bouldering and I had to learn about rock climbing and I had to learn about hiking. That was the big one. I didn't, I don't get the hike. You know, if it's not with 14 clubs on your back and chasing a little white ball up a grass slope, it's not worth the hike, but you guys love it. And you get out on a trail and you walk straight up a hill. And the longer you go, the better the hike. Oh, it's like eight hours. And it's like eight hours straight uphill without a purpose. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I didn't get it. But I knew I needed to start somewhere. I had, I had to get a starting point. And so, so I thought, all right, here's what I'm going to do. And I went online and I found this place called Jim Lake. I thought any lake named Jim has got to have fish in it. I didn't even know Jim at the time. But I thought, I'm going to go up to Jim Lake. I'm going to hike up there. And I'm going to do a little lake fishing like I did when I grew up in Spokane. So I brought my tackle box and I brought my fishing pole. And I parked in the trailhead at Jim Lake. And I started walking straight up a hill to try to get to Jim Lake. And there's people walking by me. No one's got tackle boxes. No one's got poles. They're just walking. And some of them have kids on their shoulders. Some of them are running. Kind of thought there was some sort of emergency happening. What's going on? Is it, there's an earthquake at the top. You know, they're running up and down. And I'm just walking up this hill with my tackle box and my pole. And I get to the top of the hill. I get to the top finally. I think it was like nine hours later. You know, I finally got to the top. So I think it was like a half hour. 
felt like nine. But I get to the top, and it's Gem Lake, not Jim Lake, okay? So it's Gem Lake. And Gem Lake is no bigger than this room. That's it. There's no fish in it. And you could cast a line across and hit the rocks on the other side. There is no, there's no, no one's fishing. They're gazing. They're gazing at the lake. And they're gazing at the trees and at the mountains that you can see from down below. You didn't need to go up there to see them. <laughs> they're just gazing. And I'm going, this isn't what I expected. I don't get it. I was a little disillusioned by the whole hiking thing. And, and I've, I've, since then, that was a long time ago, and I've been, it's, it's much better now, and I love hiking now. Right. Uh, but, but, there, we had to start somewhere, and, and so I started there, and in the end, it just wasn't what I thought it would be. And there was a little disappointment as I walked back down and got in the car and drove away. It's a little disappointment in that. We got starting spots in lots of different things. You get your starting spot in your relationships. You get your starting spot when you, you start school and, you know, what's that look like as you just get started, you know, in your job and what you just get started. Well, you, we also have starting spots in our relationship with the Lord. We have starting spots in our faith. We get those moments where you just start getting going and you're starting to pile information together and you, and you start making a decision around wanting to follow or not follow Jesus. For some of you, that starting spot was when you were a little kid and you heard the stories of Adam and Eve and, and Noah's, Noah's Ark and, and Moses and, and Abraham and you sang songs and that was the beginning. For me, the beginning was in college when I was at the University of Washington and in the inn and Denny Ryberg telling us about, about the plans God has for us, telling us about prayer and how God hears our prayer, telling us about how the power of God is the power to heal I started to meet other Christians and I'm going, man, I love all of this. And that's where things started to, started to really start to form for me. That was a starting point. And it was really cool. And I'm going, this is what I want to do. This is what, who I want to follow. But what happens for many of us is over the years and over time and as life hits us, a lot of those things that we started with kind of erode a little bit. You, 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 you heard that God's got this great plan. And then you look at your life and you go, you know, I'm single and 50 and, and my plan was different than, wanted, I wanted to be different than this. And what happens is our faith takes a hit. You, 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 you hear about God and, his, and he has the power to heal. And yet you prayed. I prayed for my grandpa to, to be healed of the Alzheimer's that he was struggling with. And it didn't happen. And, and your faith takes a hit. And you're going, oh, is this all that I thought it was going to be? Is God hearing my prayers? You know, my dad, I talked to my dad about this a long time ago. I just, we were talking about faith stuff, and he's going, Bill, he says, my faith is barely hanging on, if hanging on at all. Because he says, he says, there were so many times that I prayed, and it wasn't answered. And so he said, I, I just, it's, it's hard for me to believe. And so you have that, that initial thing, that starting point that sounded so great. And over time, your faith just continues to take a hit. You go through those college years and, and you hear a professor say that you're mailing in your, your intelligence if you're following your spirituality and your faith takes a hit. And the next thing you know, you're left with a faith that's hanging on. 
You're left with a faith that's a little stagnant. You're left with a faith that doesn't lead anymore, it follows. You're left with a faith that, doesn't, that isn't inspiring, it's surviving. And so you're just going, and that's who I am. And you come to church still, it's enough of a faith to get you to church. But you just know when you leave there, you're going, this guy better bring it because I'm just, I'm just sputtering along. And then you just continue to sputter along. And your faith does too. I know that some of you are not in that place and you just see God every day and, you just, it is, and he is leading you and you are following and it is powerful and it is inspiring. And I love that. But for many of you in the room, you neither know because you're right there in it or you've gone through those seasons or you know those seasons might be coming or you're just going, I just feel ugh, about it all. And that's where, that's where we got it. You look around, you go, where does that control alt whatever that'll get me to a reset? That'll get me to, can I start over? Can I, can I, can I go back to that starting point? Because I need something. I need something that's gonna be stronger than what I currently have. I need something that's gonna get me through the things that continue to erode in my face. And so you, you ask and you push, get me back to a starting point. Where do I get started? What do I put my weight down on that can stand the test of all the things that can erode? Because I'm tired of living in the disappointment or in the anger or the apathy. And I, and I want to get back to a place of being inspired again. Here's what I want every one of us to do, no matter where you're at, no matter if, if, you, don't, if you haven't even started a faith in Christ, if you just came here because a neighbor brought you here and that's it, if you, if you have, are, in, are you just loving Jesus right now and, he, and, and you're so inspired by it, wherever you're at, here's what I want every one of us to do for the next six weeks. Would you all get into a car and would you drive with me to the trailhead? We want to drive and park in this trailhead. We're all going to be there. If you're 12, get in a car and drive. I'm giving you permission. If you're 80, get, get in a car and drive. I'm get, we're all going to drive. We're going to park at this trailhead, and we're going to start. We're all going to start in the same spot. Let's start. Let's find that starting point that, that helps us, that says no matter what's going to happen, this one will not erode. This will not fade away. Let's all start there. Now, if we drive up to that starting point, you know if you've ever gone to any trailhead, there's lots, lots of different options that you can do on where to go. You know, I, I, I looked online, I found this map of this trailhead. This is just the Blue Hills Trail, okay? Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what a guy that doesn't know anything about hiking thinks when he sees something like this, okay? I'll make this up because I really do know, but I'm going to make it up like I didn't know, okay? When it says you are here in that little red dot right there, what in the world does that mean? Are we there? Or do you look for the red dot for where we're at? Honestly, I don't know. Someone, someone that hikes tell me, am I here? <laughs> am I here? Are we at this trail right here? And if I'm here, how do I get to there? I don't see a trail. Just give me one trail that gets me to the beginning of the trail. You hikers think that we can figure this out. I am lost. And I'm looking at these numbers, 6.4K, and I'm assuming that's kilometers. Is that from here or from the warming house where the toilets are at? I don't know. We get to these trailheads and we don't know where to start. 
You get to the beginning of the trail and you go, I don't know where to start. And you guys, this is imperative that we know where to start. Now take that off there because now all our hikers are figuring it out. Stop. <laughs> Come back to me. We're not talking about the blue whatever. Okay, so, so we got to figure out the trail to start on. And it's super important that we start on the right trail. Because if we go on the wrong trail, our faith can just fall away super easy. My older brother, Mike, he, is a, he, he was in med school at University of Washington. He's a doc now in Spokane. He was in med school at UW. And he's, and he's sitting there with me talking about faith stuff. And he goes, Bill, I can't believe in what you believe. And I said, why not? And he says, because I cannot believe that it happened in seven days. He says, I can't believe that you're going to tell me that creation happened in seven days. And I cannot believe that. He says, all of that, that, that stuff that I learned in all those science classes, I can't believe that evolution happened in seven days. And he says, so I can't believe you. And I sat there and I said, Mike, man, don't you, you, theologians argue over that. And some would say, yes, it happened in six days, but it's the seventh day that God rested. And some would say, no, it happened over millions of years. And that God's day was what might have been a million years. <coughs> His day might have been a million years. He, I, said, I said, you know, God might have created old rocks and new rocks at the same time. And it looks like an old rock. I mean, there's all kinds of argument over creation. I talked to Mike about that. And in the end, I said, but Mike... I'm not betting my life on seven days. I'm not betting my life on this, this argument around creation. You start on that path, and as soon as you hear one thing that makes you, makes you change your mind, it's like a house of cards in your faith. It falls. It's all it takes. We can't start down that path. But some of us do. Some of us start down a path of this is my stance on an issue. We say that's where I'm going to start is on this stance. I'm going to start with the way I'm going to vote. I'm going to start there. That's not where you're going to start. You'll be disillusioned in 10 minutes. My brother, when he, when he, when he heard about the creation stuff, he said, all right, now, Bill, here's what I'm going to do then. I hear what you're saying. This is a couple of years later. And he said, here's what my wife and I are going to do. We are going to buy a Bible, and we're going to want to make it the King James Bible. So that's the oldest one with the these and thous and shouts and should nots and not, you know. And he, says, and he says, and we're going to read it from Genesis to Revelation, and then we'll make a decision. And you know, that's great. The Bible's great, but... Man, you get into Numbers and Deuteronomy and holy smokes, it's like walking down a path where the, 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 the thorns and stuff are right there. You, it's hard to get through. You got the blaze of trail. And I know that's weird for me to say, maybe you shouldn't start with the Bible, but that might not be the best starting spot, Mike. I, I don't know how long you can go there. Where do we start what can we put our weight down on that won't be eroded? You guys, this is where we got to look to what the disciples did. Because remember, Jesus lived on this earth, and then he died, and he rose from the dead, and he, then he appeared to a group of a bunch of people, and he said to them all, now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and know that I'm going to be with you to the ends of the earth. That was his great commission that he gave out to everybody. He's going, man, now go and do and share this. And then he, and then he rose and he left these guys. He's going, now go and tell them. 
that what did they do? That's what we can learn from. What did they do? Where did they start? Where did Peter start? Where did John start? Where did Paul start? Where did Philip start? You see these people and what they do. Where did they start? When Mary had to share it with her neighbor, where did she start? That's where we can learn. Because we got to go the same place they did. Because they didn't have, you guys, they couldn't start with, it says in Romans chapter 3, that, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They couldn't start there. That Romans wasn't written yet. They couldn't start in Luke. Luke wasn't written yet. They had to start with what they knew. And what did they know? Let's look at this. We're going to look at one of them. We're going to look at Philip, okay? So Philip, I love these different encounters. They're so stinking real. Listen, listen to what happens with Philip. Phil, Philip is, is, um, is, we're getting this out of chapter 8 of Acts, okay? So Acts is like the journal that Luke wrote after he wrote the gospel of Luke. He wrote about this, he wrote this journal of, the, of, of all the, the, the stuff that was happening as the early church was getting formed, okay? And so he writes about this and he says, Philip, now Philip, this Philip is not one of the 12 disciples. This is one of the seven that they picked to help manage the church when the early church was being formed. Philip arose and began his journey. At this very moment, an Ethiopian eunuch, a minister, and in fact, the treasurer to Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, was on his way home after coming to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, so Philip, this Ethiopian eunuch, he was from Ethiopia. He was like the CFO, the chief financial officer for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, okay? He was a eunuch. Now, now, there were two different ways you can look at a eunuch. A eunuch was either someone that just was in a high-level position or was someone that was literally cut off, okay? Now, I know that's... He was cut off, literally. So if you guys don't know that, ask your neighbor afterwards and they'll explain that to you, okay? He was cut off. Let's just leave it at that. It doesn't matter. We're talking about this Ethiopian dude. This Ethiopian eunuch, a minister, and in fact, the treasure can as queen of Ethiopians, was on his way home after coming to Jerusalem to worship. So he was following the Jewish people and what they were, what they were worshiping, okay? And so he's following them. He's worshiping. He went to Jerusalem to worship. He was sitting in his carriage reading the prophet Isaiah. So back then they had fragments of the Old Testament that were spread out to different churches. And he had a fragment of the Old Testament that he had right there in his carriage. He was reading from Isaiah. The Spirit said to Philip, approach this carriage and keep close to it. Then as Philip ran forward, he heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said to him, do you understand what you're reading? I love this response because he buried his pride. And he said this, how can I unless I have someone to guide me? Super key, you guys. You've got to be asking that question, man. When you are in the heart of trying to figure things out, you've got to be able to say, I can't figure it out and I need some help. And he invited Philip to get up and sit by his side. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shears, so he opened not his mouth in his humiliation. His justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch turned to Philip and said, tell me, I beg you about whom is this prophet saying this? Is he speaking about himself? Is he writing, is Isaiah writing about Isaiah? Or is it about somebody else? And you can picture Philip in that moment. You can picture him with a big old smile on his face. You can picture him going, of all places for you to go, this is the place I want you to go because here's where I want to start. And he said this. He said that Philip began, and using this scripture as the starting point, he told the eunuch about the good news about Jesus. He sat there with him. He goes, look, this is all I know. This is what I've seen. This is what my friends have seen. We've seen it firsthand. Here's what I know. I know God loves you. 
I know he does. And he's, and he's going, and, and he wanted to prove that to us, and so he gave us his son. And Jesus walked this earth. We got to grab hold of that, you guys. This, uh, historians even agree that Jesus walked this earth. He walked this earth. And you should have seen the things that we saw. You should have seen the miracles we saw. You should have seen the, the, the you should have heard the things that Jesus said. He said he was the son of God. And we had to conclude, is, is he crazy in saying that? We had to conclude, was he a liar in saying that? But we concluded he was Lord. And he walked this earth. And then he, he told us that he's going to need to die for us because we were stuck in our lives and in our sin. And he was gonna, he's going to have to die for us so that we can live. And he did. And then get this, Ethiopian eunuch, he rose from the dead. He rose. How weird is that? Yeah, I know. Death just stops. You're done. You died. But he rose from the dead. And not only did that, but he reappeared to us and we got to see him. And then he leaves us his Holy Spirit and he's going, now go and tell other people about it. And that's what I'm telling you now. And so Philip got to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And he got to say, man, this is, we saw it happen. Our friends talk about it. This happened. And this is truth. It's truth. He loves you. He lived for us. He died for us. He rose for us. And he's with us to the very ends of the age. That is truth. And that one cannot be eroded. Peter started that way. Paul started that way. John started that way. John's talking about the love of God. And everyone who loves God knows God and loves God. And he who loves not knows not God for God is love. John's writing about that stuff and he's writing specifically to what he saw. He's going, that, that path cannot be eroded. Now, I know some of you have heard that. And you go, maybe I've heard it from when I was a kid, but we've got to hold on to that one. I can't tell you how many times in my faith have I, have I been beaten by some of my own doubts or been beaten by my anxiety or been beaten by my disappointment. And I got to come back to one truth, one truth. Did it happen? Did God really come to this earth? Does God really love me? Did God really die for me? Did God really conquer death? Did that really happen? And I got to come back to that and say, it happened. And I could put my weight down on that, and that's the trail that I'm going to follow. I might be disappointed with prayer that wasn't answered, but I'm going to stand on this trail. I might be disappointed with the, with the, with the, the direction I end up going in my life and what God might have for me versus me, but I'm going to stand on that trail. I might be disappointed with, with a, a, someone that wasn't healed that was super close to me, but I'm going to stand on that trail because that's the one that won't be eroded. These other things might, but that one won't. We have to start there. Now, on that trail, there might be times where you still feel like you're in the dark almost. 
There might be times where you're on the trail and you're, and you're just going, I can't, I can't see him. I can't feel him. I, don't, I know it's true now. I'm on this trail, but I, it's hard for me to see him. And, you, and you're, you're prone to wander in those moments. You're prone to step away from the trail. And that's where we got to go. How do I make sure I'm staying on that trail? Even when everything else around me starts feeling a little bit dark in my life. There's a friend of mine that, that, uh, that I, was, I was working up in Seattle in the college ministry up there and, and a guy from Colorado applied for the internship and he came up to, to, to um, Seattle and, and uh, his, guy, his name was Andrew and we, I sat with him on the first week and he was talking about this move from, from Colorado to Seattle and he says, hey, can I go on a hike just to clear my head? And I said, yeah, go ahead and you, know, you should probably bring somebody with you because I know a lot about hiking. So I told him that and he didn't. He just went on by himself and he went on this hike into the Cascade Mountains mountains. And he said, I was about four hours into this hike, and I realized that the, the trees in, in, in Washington are different than the trees in Colorado. The trees in Washington are thicker, and, the, and, the, and it's, the light doesn't come through as easily. The sunlight doesn't come through as easily, and the brush is thicker, and it's just, it's just, it's just a thicker, dense forest than it is in Colorado. And he said, he said, what happened was the sun started going down, and I'm four or five hours into this hike, and so he says, I gotta, I, he started moving. He started walking back, and he said, I was about an hour hour back and the sun was going down and he says, I, next thing I know, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I was in the pitch black. He said, and then I panicked and I didn't know what to do. I'm standing there pitch black going, okay, now what do I got to do? I'm still hours away from my car. And he did the only thing he could do. He dropped to his knees and he felt for the path. He felt for the path. He said he felt when it was off the path and he felt when it was back on the path. And he crawled on his knees for hours until he finally saw the light of the parking lot and he got up and he walked the rest of the way into his car that led him home. And I, I've never forgotten that. I haven't forgotten it because there are so many times in my life that I will feel like I'm someone in the dark where I feel like apathy is taking over or fear is taking over or anxiety is taking over and I got to get back on, I got to make sure I'm on the path, this path that you cannot erode, this path of God's, the truth of God's love for me in my life and I got to stay on that path and there's times that I know I got to fall to my knees and feel for it. I got to feel for it. See, there's this, there's this passage that, that, that Paul talks about later in Acts. You throw that up there for me. It says, it says, starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. We can't get away from him. That's the path. And we fall to our knees and we know it's there. And we can feel for it. And we can crawl for a while when we have to. And we see that light and we get up and we can walk. We can walk right to where it would take us home. We got to recognize that path and stay on that path. Now let me ask you a question though. How much greater would Andrew's experience have been crawling on that path if he had a couple of people with him? How much different would that have been? You think about the anxiety and you think about the fear and you think about the unknown. How much different would it have been if one or two people would have been there with him? Maybe one of them had one of those lights that you guys hike with. I don't know, I think you guys call it like a flashlight or something that's on your head. What if he had one of those? What if somebody had that and said, I can see the path, it's right here, I'll help you. I'll help you find it. 
What if someone didn't have that and they just said, that's okay, but we're crawling together and, and, and we'll make it. And they're encouraging each other along the way. What if you had someone like that? Do you guys have someone in your life that flat turns awful situations into good situations? Do you have that friend that you just go, man, they're so good at taking my panic and turning it into something fun? You got that? I got, I, got, I got that guy, a guy named Brent Busby in my life, a guy that flat every single situation we ever went in, if you were with Brent, it was going to be okay. I was, I was driving down the freeway, down I-5 in Seattle, and Brent and Becky are in the back seat, and Jackie and I are in the front seat, and we're all dressed up, going to someplace nice. Rain is pouring down. Next thing you know, the car starts to sputter, and I'm going, oh no, what's going on? And I look, and the gas, I'm, I'm, I'm out of gas. And I'm in that panic. You know how you panic when you run out of gas? I don't know why we panic when we do that, but we do. But I panic, and I'm on, I'm on the freeway, and I coast. I coast off the freeway down Roanoke Avenue, and I coast down to a stop at the bottom, and I'm going, I blew it, you guys, and we ran out of gas. Yes, I'm ruining the night. I was, all, I was, I was all bummed. It was awful. And and then what happens? Brent in the back seat goes, "Bill, come on." He says, "Let's get, take that coat off. Let's get outside. We'll push this thing." And I said, "Brent, the Texaco station's a mile and a half away. Come on. Wait, did you work out this morning? No. All right, then let's do it. Did, did, did you, did, do you want to impress your wife, impress Jackie? Because we were just dating at the time. Oh no. Yeah, I do. All right, let's do this. Let's impress him." And we got out and we started pushing the deer slayer. We called it the deer slayer. It was a Volvo that ran over a deer at one point. So we called it the deer slayer. We started pushing the deer slayer for, an, for a mile and a half for pushing this car. And Brent is laughing in the rain, laughing as water's spitting up at us. And he's just laughing as we're pushing. And I start laughing with him. We're like, man, we're doing this thing together. We get to the gas station. We fill it up. We go to, out to eat and we're laughing the whole night about running out of gas. Can you imagine if Brent's in there with Andrew? He's going, come on, Andrew, we got this. We can make this happen. We'll, we got the path right here. I got a little light. The battery might run dead. That's okay. We can still go. That's trailhead, you guys. That's trailhead. Trailhead is recognizing the truth that will not erode Trailhead is then on that road, learning about prayer, learning about creation, learning about the Bible. Trailhead is on that road that won't erode, and then while on that path, it's sharing it with others. That's why we want so many people to sign up to go be in a group, because you're going, come on, let's do this together. Let's walk on that trail together. Let's get somebody else in there that will shed some light where you need some light. But whether you sign up for that or not, the reality still is when we're hitting reset and you're in the middle of a faith that is just kind of, when we hit that reset and we get to that trail, that is a trail that will not erode because that is a trail of God's love for us. That is a trail that is about Jesus that lived and died and rose for us. That trail does not erode. And that's the trail we gotta be on when all the rest of the stuff around us is beating us down. Let's walk that thing together. Let's take these next six weeks and sit here in this trailhead and walk it together and see what God has in store for us with the rest of that as we get to know that God can know us and we can know him back. Let's pray together. Father, Father, we pray that you would, would help us to to, to push the reset for all of us, whether, whether we're, wherever we're at, that we would push the reset, that we would get back to the start, that we'd get back to the trailhead. And in that place, Lord, we pray that you would, would, 
would lead us and remind us that that trail leads us home. I pray that that you would give us help and people to walk that trail with us so that when it gets dark, so that when it gets tiring, so that when we get disappointed or hurt or saddened, that we'd have somebody that helps encourage us to stay on that trail because it will lead us home. I want to pray especially for the person in this room that is in the heart of that darkness, is in the heart of that question and that wonder and, and, and that, that just that feeling of, of I don't know in my faith. I pray that they could drop to their knees right now Feel the path that's right there and know that you are true, that you are real, and you lead us home. It's in your name we pray. Amen.